what I want is to be free. I don't want to have to uh, give class to live. I don't want to have to dance to live. This is my personal choice. Whether you're a professional dancer or just started falling in love with ballet dance, welcome to the Ballet Dance Live podcast. Here, we are diving deep into all facets of ballet dance world that cannot be found in a workshop or an audience seat. Every week, you will find new, honest, thought-provoking, inspiring, and educational conversation with top leading professionals of our industry. I'm your host, Jana Komornitska, and I'm honored that you are part of our dance tribe. If you're like me, at some point you felt that belly dance was more than just a hobby. You actually wanted to do it all the time and maybe even get paid for it, like performing at restaurants or weddings. I've been there and I know how frustrated you may be not even knowing where to start, how to make it happen, where to get clients, how to transform this dream into reality. That's why I've created a special step-by-step guide to help you launch and grow your solo performance career at local gigs in your area. This step-by-step guide is 18 pages of my suggestions on what to do first and in which order to make your transition into a professional dance world smooth and successful. And you can receive it for free. Yes, absolutely free. Simply check the link in the show notes to this episode or visit yanadance.com guide to receive the step-by-step guide and start building your professional dance life already today. Hello everyone, how are you doing? Welcome to the Baladance Live podcast. I know you've missed uh, hearing some new interviews, so today I'm very pleased to introduce our awesome guest Shireen, an international performing oriental dance artist specializing in classical style of dance Raksharki for over 20 years. She is known for her elegance, her delicate style and precise technique, as well as deep understanding of nuances of the dance. She knows Arabic language and is familiar with Arab culture due to her origins, which we also discussed uh, uh, in this interview, as well as her training process and how she got from being passionately in love with dance to a professional career as a full-time dancer. Shireen has a long-term experience of performing in Cairo with a live band. She was dancing at the prestigious Manor House Hotel for many years and worked with Rakia Hassan, appearing on many of her instructional DVDs. At the time, she was also a star of Ahlan Wasahlan Festival. Thanks to her broad experience of dancing in different settings, big stage, restaurants, weddings, festivals, Shireen is definitely an invaluable source of knowledge for both theater dancers and for performers who want to meet with a live Arabic audience. And in this interview, we discuss not only her experience of performing in Cairo and being a full-time dancer, but also transitioning for, let's call, the life after Cairo and now her different approach to dance lifestyle while still keep the same passion and love to oriental dance. I'm absolutely sure this would be very inspiring for you and may even encourage you to rethink uh, your own approach, especially in this uh, uncertain, still 
going on quarantine times it definitely affected all of us and even our plans and goals related to dance so on this note let's dive into the interview hello dear shireen how are you and welcome to the ballet dance life podcast thank you so much Yana. thank you <laughs> Well, I hope that uh, our uh, conversation will uh, at least slightly cheer up our everyone's, I feel like, uh, lockdown mood and quarantine mood that everyone is a bit tired already of this stuff. So hopefully talking about dance and dance experience uh, can um, lift up and bring us some hope and inspiration that um, soon um, everything will get back to normal. <laughs> yes, hopefully, hopefully. But with that said, I actually would love to uh, not only look forward, but also uh, go back in time and ask you, how did your ballet dance journey uh, started? When was the first interaction with ballet dance and how uh, was that thought about transforming ballet dance into profession came to you? Well, so maybe you don't know, but I am Algerian. So uh, from North Africa, I am born in Algeria. Mm -hmm. So uh, Oriental dance, like uh, Arab dance, not uh, really Raksa Sharki, but Arab dance, I grew up with uh, all that, with the music, seeing my auntie, my grandma, my mom dancing in every uh, party or wedding. So I was... Uh, I was... Um, I know about uh, this culture and the music. It was very uh, common for me, okay? Mm -hmm. We moved to France when I was uh, young, and then uh, I had a normal life, okay? And when I was around uh, 20 years old, I was studying, uh, I was studying, and I wanted to, uh, to do an activity beside, and I was already really attracted by uh, dance and oriental dance, so I tried many dance. And uh, like flamenco, uh, Indian dance, Odyssey, uh, and I loved it. And I tried Oriental dance, and I felt in love at the first uh, class. I really love it. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, I loved uh, the music. I loved uh, the the way my body was moving in the music. And then I decided to continue. Mm -hmm. And after one year of uh, of uh, my first year of class. My teacher, she asked me and some dancer to make a, a stage, a small stage for uh, normal people. It was not uh, oriental dancer people because she had an invitation. And uh, I say, okay, why not? Even if I was very scared because I, am, I was not used to be uh, on stage. And uh, it was a very, very small stage and uh, like uh, 30 people in the audience. So it was very scary because I can see everyone on the stage. Mm. <laughs> and I, yes, I was uh, with a drummer and with a CD. And when I put my feet on stage, I say, whoa, I want my life to be on stage on, all the time. Mm. That's how I began and how I began to dance in a restaurant uh, in France, in small uh, in my area. But when I dance in this restaurant, my only thought was how to move from restaurant to stage because restaurant is a kind of the people are here not for to see the dancer if there is a dancer why not but they are first here to eat <laughs> not to see a dancer 
So I wanted to uh, find a way to um, to do it on stage and for people who come only to see a dancer. They sit down and they look at it like a show. Mm-hmm. So I began to uh, make open stage. You know, there is some uh, small, we say, festival around and I try to begin to show myself. And then another story began, if you want me to... Go ahead, I can tell oh, you. Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. Uh-huh. So after three years of uh, with my uh, teacher in Lyon, the town I was here, Marion, which is a French woman. So I, my my first teacher was a French woman, but she had learned Oriental dance in uh, Tunisia and then in Cairo. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of, uh, and she was uh, loving Fifi Abdu and fol- folklore, folklore dance, mm-hmm. folkloric. So I am. Um, I was used to the, do a lot of step of folklore, you know, asaya and everything. But my heart was always taking all the steps to putting in Sharky style. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So after three years, I find that I had to know another teacher. So I was flying from many teachers around. And then I find another teacher in uh, one hour from my town. Farida Saidi, she stopped now to uh, to teach. She changed her career. And I worked one year with her, and it was really nice because it was completely different than what I had learned with Marion. And she mm-hmm. was used to bring some teachers from outside, like big names, like, uh, let's say, Momo Kadus, Yusri Sharif. And once mm-hmm. she bring Rakia Hassan. And believe me or not, I did not hear about her at all at this time. It was 20 years ago. And uh, if we have to contextualize, there is no internet, yeah, internet, but no YouTube and all that stuff was not existing. So it was not as easy to, to catch all the information at this time. Mm-hmm. So when I met Faridash, Muraki Hassan was her teacher. So I began to know about her and she came for one small festival. Then I was dancing for open stage as usual. And she saw me and she told me, you have to come in Cairo and to try to dance here. Mm. I say, what she's saying? And the first time I say, no, <laughs> I was absolutely not interested to move to Cairo. I did not really know. Uh, I know some dancer, but from the golden era, the modern dancer, well, I was not really attracted by uh, what they were doing because I was not knowing really uh, the, the modern Egyptian style. Mm-hmm. Then I say no, so I stay here. And then six months later, she came back again and she told me again, you have to come in Cairo, she insists. And then I I said, so I am young, I have nothing to lose, so let's try. So Mm. that's how I moved there in Cairo and it was another adventure also. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. Mm. I would like to come back a little bit to your experience because Arabic dance was uh, familiar to you since uh, like uh, early childhood. days, yes, since childhood. Um, not in a professional maybe way, like you didn't think about it as a profession, but still it was familiar. How was for you the experience of uh, finding classes in France? And as I understood, like your first teacher was French, 
you probably saw also other different teachers, not only the one that you actually chose to study with, uh, but in general, like, how was that experience for you? Because you were familiar with the, you had already some connections with the mm. dance form. It's not like you completely new for you, uh, but now going and study, it's a different perspective and in different countries. So uh, really curious about your experience. Um, first, um, when I uh, went to the class, I was completely uh, living in France. So I was in uh, in different culture than when I was uh, living in Algeria, first of mm -hmm. all. So I was not surrounded of uh, the music and everything. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, uh, I uh, keep in touch with the culture when I was traveling for holidays to visit family. And so when I uh, meet... Uh, I say I meet. I meet Oriental dance uh, in uh, in a class. It was new also because um, she was breaking down everything, and it used to be very organic for me because I, as I uh, say, when you um, grow up with this culture, you just look at your aunt, your sister, your whatever, and you just reproduce. There is no explanation. We just reproduce and enjoy. You listen to the music and it's begun like organic. You understand? Like natural. Mm -hmm. When you meet the, the class, it became more technical and uh, and uh, more precise. And it was completely different. And I love it, by the way. The particularity with my first teacher is that she uh, never counted. I learned Oriental dance without counting one. Ah. She just make us uh, try to understand the music and what she used to do and what I do now when I teach is that she make combo and the last 10 minutes of the class, uh, she put uh, music and she told us to try to put the combo inside the music by matching the music. And that's how I learned more to match the music with the step, you see. She let mm. us free to uh, develop our own energy, our own uh, way to hear the music without counting. This is very important for me because counting sometimes uh, take you far from the music. <laughs> you are in mathematics and not oh. in That's so interesting because it's very unusual. Usually teachers... Uh, um, uh, let's say foreign teachers, non-Arabic teachers, they do love counting and uh, they uh, break down everything and count. So it's it's very interesting to hear that uh, you actually had uh, your uh, teacher, non-Arabic, but she was like going with that uh, idea of musicality and following the music. That's so cool. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, it's helped me because uh, the way she teach us I began to create my own choreography without thinking from the beginning because putting one combo in the music, then you say, oh, it's matching. So you take another music and you say, oh, it can be there. And then I began to create like this without even understand that I was creating something. Mm. Do you think uh, uh, your experience of having uh, classes... Uh, with teachers in in uh, France, did they influence your teaching um, approach today? Because you are a teacher for many students <laughs> these yes. days. Yes. Oh, definitely uh, not because uh, she was French or uh, what influenced me, it's the way she teaches. Mm -hmm. 
not because she's French or whatever, because yeah. uh, I don't really think this is important. The importance, it's uh, the discipline and the way uh, the teacher give you the good key to be interested in the music and how to evaluate in the music. It, you know, it's not about from her origins. I never had uh, any um, prejudice about the fact that she was not Arabic, born Arabic, because mm. she was completely in love with the Arabic culture. So I learned a lot from her also, because she was traveling every two months in many Arabic countries. So. Actually, uh, the reason why I refer to uh, her like French origins is just because um, many Arabic, uh, not many, but there are Arabic teachers who uh, were influenced by the dance and learned the dance just from, from their surrounding. They may not have had any uh, formal classes with mm -hmm. anyone. And especially, like, of course, I'm generalizing, like, it doesn't really mean French or not French, but mm -hmm. um, still, like, teachers uh, outside of... Um, I'm, I even refer and remember my own experience. Uh, then I was starting uh, learning ballet dance and going to Cairo to different festival and taking classes with Egyptian teachers. It was exactly the same system that naturally, like, they show, you follow, you learn. Yeah. These yeah. days, they explain and break down much more. Mm -hmm. But uh, that comes from cultural... Uh, basically a cultural environment that in general, like in those countries, you learn dance by following. That's why I referred like to, to French, that still she was giving you a lot of like musicality approach, how it is in, uh, in Egypt and in Middle East. But she probably also incorporated some elements from um, let's say Western uh, educational system of dance of breaking down still every movement like you, you know like it's not really about French or not French it's more about like yeah. approaches to how to educate and teach dance that's why I was curious like um, do you think it influenced uh, you uh, in your teaching approach today um, yeah maybe yes maybe not <laughs> so the answer is yes <laughs> Mm, yeah, and it's very difficult to teach now without counting because I feel the students are lost when uh, you stop counting. And coming back to your story, so when you decided to go and try uh, your luck in uh, Egypt under um, guidance of Rakia Hassan, how was your story developing after that? When I uh, arrived to Cairo, it was a bit difficult because it was um, another generation. It was more than 10 years ago. Uh, I moved there, it was, uh, I think, in 2007, something like this. And at this time, it was very difficult to find a contract. You cannot work without work permits. It was very dangerous to play this game. Uh, some uh, dancer who moved there, they get married to have the work permit. You know, it was... Very, they were very uh, uh, following the dancer to be sure mm. that they had paper at this time. I don't know now, I have heard it's more easy, but at this time you have to make a paper in one place and you are not allowed to dance in another place. You understand? Mm -hmm. You cannot do many cabaret, you know. So I made like audition there in some place and always they told me it's good, but we cannot make the paper because for them it's a lot of responsibility, a lot of money. So it was very difficult. 
So I stayed there like six months without work. And I was about to leave Cairo because I had no money enough to live without working. You know, I save money to go there, but at the end you have to work. Yeah. So by chance, I, um, I went to Mena House because they were searching for a dancer. The Mena House, the cabaret, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can dance on the cabaret and still there, there is so many dancers dance on the wedding uh, place, you know, there is place for wedding. I was making audition for the, to be the house dancer of the Mena House. And uh, I think by chance they were searching for a dancer who looks Arabic. That was my chance because I am Arab, you know, so that mm-hmm. was a chance. And then I got the contract at the last minute. I, it was like one week before I decided to leave everything and stay. Mm. <laughs> That's yeah. interesting, like last minute uh, twists in life. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then I dance every single night, no day off, every day, every day, every day. And doing some wedding, uh, most of the time at the Mena House, because when I go outside, it's about the paper was very complicated for a foreigner to uh, to show your your to show you every everywhere. It was mm-hmm. exclusively for Egyptian dancer. They were able to have a contract in one place and dance everywhere without any constraint. But for a foreigner, it was difficult. Which is different nowadays. I see from what I see and what I have experienced when I was visiting Cairo, because I still visit Cairo often, uh, that they are dancing in many places. Mm. With or without paper, I don't know. I don't know. If I know, uh, if I know and understood correctly, like before, the dancer used to be like a celebrity and superstar of the place, <laughs> and it was very important for management. I guess even clients who wanted to choose the venue for their upcoming wedding, probably for them, who exactly was the dancer at that wedding was at that venue was one of the uh, important criteria too. <laughs> Uh, at this time, you mean a dancer in a place was uh, the star of the place? This is what you mean? Yes, yes. In the time that you were there. Yes, yes. You There is a, most of the time one big hotel, let's say the five stars hotel, they have one dancer and the people come for this dancer. Like mm-hmm. uh, in Semiramis, it was Dina. In uh, Soraya, was in the Marriott at this time. Uh, Randa Kamel, we can see her in the Nile Maxim. She was the dancer who attracted people there. Like this, yes. Mm. Now, and yes, it's different. But now I feel that the five-star hotel are not having that much dancer. You know, in the Mena House, there is no more house dancer there. There is only dancer coming for weddings to stop it. Mm. I don't know. Mm. And for how long uh, you performed in uh, Egypt? Uh, completely it was three years because I moved after the revolution in 2011, four years I stayed there and I moved after the revolution because mm. after the revolution we cannot work anymore. It was very complicated. Then the uh, the Muslim brother came to take the control of the country during one year. It was a nightmare for all the artists, not only dancers, singer, all the people who are making art, it was difficult for them. Then I moved and I decided to don't come back. I was happy to come back to my life in France, close to my family. Yeah. 
And uh, what was the influence of uh, Rekia Hassan, uh, not only to, to make you go to Egypt in courage, yeah. but uh, as I know, you, you actually studied with her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I, um, I really began to take private classes with her when I was in uh, Cairo because it was a good opportunity to have her mm-hmm. only for me and to really uh, let her focus on my uh, on me. So with Rakia, she counts, but also you follow her a lot. You follow and you reproduce a lot. But she, she counts because she teach for a lot of uh, European and all over the world uh, students, so she adapts. And uh, I have... Uh, She has a very special way, way, her own way to listen to the music. I don't know if you have seen her choreography, but it's very rich. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very rich and she catch a lot of uh, small... It was the more difficult for me at the beginning with Raya was to understand her way to understand the music. It was very difficult and it was a really good exercise for me to force myself to uh, try to uh, maybe listen different way the music. Because she catch really small details that sometimes maybe I had missing by myself. So it was really good experience. And of course, her technique is very special. I have seen some dancer, very good dancer coming to Rakia Hassan. And after one hour of uh, her class, they were, they were crying because they were not able to do it. And they were considered like professional in their country. Really, really good dancer. And they were crying because it was very difficult. I know. Because I have seen and I have experimented. I didn't cry, but I, I always say, oh my God, I will never, never got it. Because it's really special technique. But when you understand the technique she had, it's really joyful and you learn a lot. And it's very interesting. When you are passionate about Oriental, then it's really, really interesting. And Rakia, she's known also um, because she was a member of the Reda troupe. I think you know that. And uh, when she began to teach Sharky, she also take all the the folkloric step and try to change it into Sharky. This is what she explained with Dina. Dina, when she decided to be a when she decided to be a Sharky dancer, she was also a member of the troupe. She went to Rakia, and Rakia helped her to change all the way she was using to dance in folklore to to adapt to Sharky. This is what Rakia can tell you. So that was very important also, very interesting to see how she can take any step and put it in a sharky way. And it was very interesting because Rakia, first, she was a folkloric dancer in troupe. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting, like you brought up um, this point that her style is very... Uh, special and mm-hmm. even her technique is uh, very unique and this mm-hmm. brings me to another question what do you for yourself personally identify as Egyptian style or Egyptian technique because when you look at Egyptian teachers many of them actually dance very differently and their technique even the same movement one Egyptian teacher will explain one way another Egyptian teacher will explain a different way. Yes. But we still talk about this concept of Egyptian style and Egyptian technique. So personally for you, what is it all about? <laughs> yes. Um, 
this is a big uh, subject mm. <laughs> because now we were talking about Madame Raya Hassan. She was from another generation, right? Uh, there is again the post uh, social media generation and after social media generation, which change a lot of things in the way we uh, we understand about Egyptian style because um, because um, and also the the main teacher in Egypt, the more they travel and they teach uh, outside, the more they have to also adapt their self and uh, uh, to the needs of the students. Mm? Mm. So um, uh, sometimes I heard the I have heard from some uh, students that the Egyptian style was boring a little. You see, mm. um, uh, that uh, I think uh, now. The Egyptian style is difficult to uh, to define because of the the mix of what we see nowadays. Uh, I have uh, some teachers; they have to be very energetic and spectacular to catch also the students. You understand? Mm -hmm. Somebody who just you know Oriental dance for me, it's very feminine and elegant. First of all. It's a dance of femininity and elegance. And you can say also because I see you dancing and also you are inspired by the, the Silk Road dance and nobody can say that this dance is not elegant and graceful, right? Mm -hmm. This is one, one of the things that I really, that really catch me, this feminine way and, uh, and the elegance that you can see in that kind of dance. And um, at this point, let's say the golden area dancer they are known for also their elegance right mm -hmm. you agree with that they were known for the elegance their beauty their elegance and uh, it's very feminine extremely feminine dance and now let's say the modern egyptian dancer they are more known for the energy right they are very energetic uh, the shimmy are more spectacular, the movement are more catchy for the stage. So I think with the time, with the globalization of uh, this art, you know, and uh, all the social media, how they open this, uh, this uh, globalization of oriental dance art, it's difficult to define it now. Because as you say, one teacher will tell you that and the other one will tell you that. It depends also of the needs of the student, of uh, Yes, the way they understand the dance, it's a very difficult uh, question. But for me, still and forever, Oriental dance will be this feminine and elegant way to show this music. Because I think it's also due to my culture and my childhood, and this, I was surrounded of women, and yeah. Mm. You know, it's such an interesting question, and I think this is the problem of each generation that will face it again and again, and I bet there probably will be similar kind of talks again and again, because yes. I partially agree completely, and at the same time, I was thinking like, yeah, Golden Arrow, of course, it's elegant, feminine, but they also incorporated so many spectacular things specifically for stage. They had kicks, they had back bends. Uh, mm -hmm. There are videos of Golden Era, like doing dancers doing splits. Like there was a lot of spectacular element in it. 
And wanting or not, in certain way, it also was informed and influenced by Western influence. Sure, sure. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, influence, as you said. Yes, it was influenced, but mm-hmm. it was a to- it was not a total fusion, right? It was influenced. This is a big difference. There is some touch and influence, but if you look at the main dancer of this area, you can recognize in one uh, in one uh, second that it, we are talking about Oriental dance and not cha cha, for example, and not uh, rock and roll. It was not fusion. It was influenced, and still and forever you will have dance influenced by other dance and. The influence is something, and the fusion is something else. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it just I I I uh, I'm just sharing like here my my opinion on this topic is just uh, sometimes looking from perspective of history, it's mm-hmm. tricky because at some point what we call today a classic style, a traditional style, it's very much could have been perceived as fusion back then than it was created (laughs) so it's interesting and it just like open like discussion or like a topic i don't think there is like right or wrong uh, even opinion this it's just interesting how we will think about this current times in 20 20 years from now even (laughs) yes i am i'm guessing yes i don't know (laughs) maybe we will describe this time as classic or traditional (laughs) yeah maybe yes but Um, the common point i think still even if there is some uh, influence and uh, kind of fusion this time it's the femininity and the elegance of this art Mm-hmm. Through mm-hmm. the years, you can see the golden era. You can see Soriyazaki later on Aguafuad, uh, and later some dancer, modern dancer, where they still have this femininity and this elegance. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. Fifi Abdul also was splitting, and she was making split on the stage. She was very famous for that. Fifi Abdul. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, for you personally, um, your decision to go back. Uh, to leave Egypt, uh, was it informed just by revolution or was it like a closing chapter of your life? Uh, how was for you that transition back home? Yeah, uh, I think the revolution uh, forced me to go back to France because I was not planning to go back. I was dancing every day and it was fine. And finally, I, uh, I when I came back in France, I realized that I had enough with the life, the nightlife. Yes, I had mm. enough with the nightlife. It's another life, huh? you know, that when you leave the night, even more in Cairo, it's really all the night. <laughs> so it was enough for me. I grew up. I, I needed something else to focus mm. on my private life and, and that. And how was that life after Cairo <laughs> back in France? Like, was it easier for you to find a new dance groove or... Yes, transition. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had a transition and I have um, another look. I have another uh, work, but I keep it private. And uh, this is my decision because I have studied a lot and I have diplomas, so I can work, decide if I want. If I want to stop to dance completely, I have mm-hmm. a work to leave, no problem to pay my bill. And I decide to uh, take time to... to uh, find again the center about what I want in the dance because the dance in Cairo it's an experience but when of course when you move it's another experience so 
I stopped dancing for a while and then I began to give a especially private class. And I did not communicate that much on that. The people come to me and I manage my time giving class when I want because what I want is to be free. I don't want to have to uh, give class to leave. I don't want to have to dance to leave. This is my personal choice. Of course, I understand all the choice. I was a full-time dancer before. I was very happy with it. But with the time, I prefer to manage my time as I want. And when I don't want, I don't want. <laughs> that's mm. it. Yeah, that's such a great reminder because uh, we sometimes get so obsessed with our dance passion and we want everything be, to be only about dance. Mm -hmm. um, but then it... Uh, It kind of backfires sometimes, and then you feel like, yes. oh, I actually need space. <laughs> yes, 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 I know, I know that also. Mm. And also when you have to dance and you have to dance to pay your bill or to leave, maybe also there is one side that it can kill your patient. <laughs> yes, it can be another problem. Yeah, it can be, but at the same time, um, I guess it's very interesting experience to have this chapter in your life and you actually experience being a full-time dancer and then it changed your relationship to dance even if you go through this little period or hopefully little period of maybe mm -hmm. some disappointment sometimes maybe depression danced wise i mean <laughs> etc it because i bet it changed your approach to ballet dance What what you thought about this dance form or how you treated it, I don't know, 20 years ago when you were starting, then mm -hmm. 10 years ago, let's say, that you were like active in Egypt. And mm -hmm. now it's probably three very different approaches and uh, realizations. Um, no, I am very stubborn, Yana. Ah. <laughs> me still the same and I still have the same conviction about Oriental dance. And I still believe what I believe from the beginning. Nothing changed, even if the the generation changed, the situation changed, the, change, the way that uh, dance is uh, shared nowadays. I talk about social media and how the new generation expects Oriental dance to be. I am very stubborn. <laughs> mm. I'm very stubborn. Nothing changed for me. The way I... I understand the dance, the way I want to share the dance, the way nothing changed. Mm. What is... I am uh, Algerian. I know that the Algerians are very stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, stubbornness doesn't mean sometimes adjusting like your person, like, you know, like views or experience. So, uh, but it's interesting also to know. Yes. For you, yes. like, what is the main message about this dance that for you it is important to give to your students um, the important message for me I think uh, is uh, that uh, this dance has an uh, is um, in deeper culture you know there is a culture it's not it's a dance you have to know about the culture and all women can uh, get satisfaction uh, by trying this dance and enjoying the dance and the music because the big part of uh, this dance and the enjoyment of this dance 
is to enjoy the music. A lot of things began with the music. This is it. And again, the more important is to stay elegant and feminine and to accept our femininity as it is. Mm. Mm, that's so beautiful. Mm. Well, I'm sure many people uh, had to hear it at this point. <laughs> so thank you for sharing. And what about uh, you? Like, how do you see your future dance uh, journey? Oh, look, I, as long as I enjoy, I continue. I have no planification. I am first, I am not really a good businesswoman because when you talk about how I prepare the future, it means that there is a business and it's very difficult for me to. Uh, I don't say it's a quality. It's very difficult for me to be a businesswoman, so I have no idea. I just uh, do what I want at the moment I want. For the moment, I enjoy teaching still in private classes, online or real. For the moment, of course, it's online <laughs> because it's mm -hmm. uh, a choice. I enjoy uh, traveling also with my art and my way to uh, my art and my heart to share my uh, love for Oriental dance and. As long as people want me, I am happy to share. And one day nobody wants me, I will dance for myself and my family. I am happy also. I have mm. no... For the moment, I always think like this since the beginning. I have no really plan. Just do what I want. When I wanted to do stage, I searched a way to be on stage. When I wanted, you know, one day after the other. I am free. I told you this is my chance and my choice that... I don't have to. I don't have to. I do what I want. You understand? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's such a great skill of uh, being in the moment. And I do think it's a skill to be able to hear yourself what you need right now and not have any commitments uh, for the future uh, expectations. <laughs> It's a luck, it's a, it's a choice also, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, all our future projects, they usually start not with a business strategy, but first just with a simple dream. <laughs> yes, yes, true. true. Um, well, thank you so much uh, for this time and for sharing and just being so like uh, open and sharing your experience uh, uh, with this dance and some insights. Um, and before I ask you our final question, I would love to ask you, where can dancers uh, follow you now, where they can see your work, and uh, what classes do you offer currently if someone will want to uh, study with you, how they can contact you, and what, what to expect in your classes? <laughs> okay, so my favorite social media is uh, YouTube, <laughs> first mm -hmm. of all. Because uh, as I told you, I am for uh, another generation. We are. I am old now, so the most uh, the the easier way to find me is on YouTube, and uh, my uh, email is linked in all my bio in YouTube. Also Instagram, but Instagram for me it's uh, it's more for fun, you know, it's more mm -hmm. for fun. But they can also contact me in my link. There is my email, and the more. The easiest way to find me is to contact me via my email at sharingorientaldanceartist at yahoo.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always answer quickly. And do you teach uh, these days just private classes or there are any options for like group classes these days? 
No, not for the moment. I enjoy mm -hmm. private classes and focusing on one student. And about uh, what I teach, it uh, depends on the needs of the dancer. We can work on musicality. We can work only on technique. I can create a special choreography or we can work on their own choreography. It depends on what they need. And if I can, if I can't, uh, if I feel I can't help them, I will just say, maybe I am not the good teacher for you. It's fine. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I will definitely add links uh, uh, to the show notes so all our listeners, you know, where you can easily um, connect uh, with our guests. Just uh, check show notes. All links will be there for you. And once again, uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing. It was really refreshing uh, um, chat and uh, just uh, feeling that, you know, like what I impress the most is that freedom of uh, letting the dance go if necessary i mean if necessary personally for you and then it creates that even i think even deeper connection then you're not trying to hold on it but it kind of like opens new doors of i don't know love or uh, satisfaction from this dance art i don't know i i really uh, it really stuck with me <laughs> during this conversation yeah. Yeah. Also, the freedom give me this freedom give me the freedom to don't follow the trend and to don't uh, to to be the driver of my of my dance and not to uh, change my dance to please the audience. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. The people they choose me for what I am and not because I have to dance on this music now because because the people they are listening to it and I have to do it because if I don't do it, I will, I will lose them. You understand? I am free mm. to dance my way, my style. Yes. Mm. This yeah. freedom is very important for me to keep my personality as I want it to be. Because mm. it's not a criticize, but when you are in this business and you teach every day and now with the social media, when they hear the same music and all the, the, the dancer on the spotlight dancing in this music they will tell you hey teacher why we don't dance in this and how you can say no because uh, they see there they see it every everywhere so they want to be uh, like the others and to dance on the same uh, the, the same music you see what i mean mm -hmm. so i don't have to <laughs> i don't have to yeah that's a luxury and at the same time this is the choice of uh, exactly. building up your life this way that Exactly. That's why I told you I don't criticize, but me, I am more comfortable in this way. I will. It will be very difficult to have to uh, adapt myself to the new trends because, as I told you, I'm stubborn, and for me, oriental dance is something, and I don't want to travesty, travesty so, You know, to change it to please. I always say that um, it's the dancer who has to educate the audience, and not the audience who has to educate the uh, the dancer. We are the ones who had studied a lot. Of course, if you dance in one place, let's say in a restaurant, you will not dance like on uh, like you are dancing on stage because uh, the same place, the same the audience is not the same. But still, you have to educate them and oriental dance is this. And if I do something else, then maybe it's not anymore. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting.
Well, I also very curious to hear your answer for our uh, traditional question. I think we talked partially about it, but it would be very uh, cool to hear actually like your um, I don't know, maybe summary, maybe some new things that you will add to our conversation. But the question is, what makes you fall in love with ballet dance again and again so you keep doing it for so many years? Uh, I will say two things. The music, for sure. I think everything I told you began to the music. And... The the emotion it's give me, it's like uh, Oriental dance matching with the music. Stop the time, you know. It's like I have the superpower of stopping the time and living the moment and just uh, being in another world for a few seconds. This is it. the magic. Make me fall in love again and again. Mm. The magic. This uh, superpower we have with Oriental dance and music. That's it for today, guys. But before you go away, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends. And if you post it on social media, please tag me and our guest because we love seeing who is listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place.